Support for When Dating Hurts comes from Liquid IV. Hydration doesn't get enough attention. It's not just about people running around a tennis court or doing an hour of Zumba or body pump. Proper, functional hydration is an all-day, everyday thing. And to help us stay hydrated, Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration multiplier. Sure, you can use Liquid IV before, during, and after playing pickleball, but you can also use it when you're starting to lose concentration in Zoom meetings or even after a night out with friends. One convenient stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water can hydrate you back to life two times faster than water alone, and you'll be getting essential vitamins plus three times as many electrolytes as leading sports drinks. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. My favorite flavor is Golden Cherry. It's one of 12 great-tasting flavors that make hydration pretty exciting. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WHENDATINGHURTS, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WHENDATINGHURTS at liquidiv.com. Hi, I'm Gigi, and this is why I listen. I was seeking information when I was in a troubling and abusive relationship. I was trying to find information and ways to educate myself while hiding the fact that I was doing so in front of my ex-partner. When my ex and I were apart during the day, I would listen to as many episodes as possible and ordered Bill's book, When Dating Hurts. But panic hit me when I realized that my ex would actually be able to see what I was reading. So I canceled my purchase of the hard copy, but bought the Kindle version right away and read it quite quickly in any spare moment I had. If I was between work meetings, in the bathroom, any chance I got, I was reading When Dating Hurts. You see, I'm lucky to come from a background where domestic and dating violence is not prevalent. But this also meant I had no context on what I was experiencing and also lived in fear of overreacting and being dramatic, causing problems where there shouldn't have been. Without this podcast and book, I really would not have the tools I needed to realize what I was experiencing was not only abusive, but actually quite dangerous. Thank you, Bill, for everything you're doing, and please keep going. You're saving lives. The When Dating Hurts podcast is rated one of the most popular relationships podcasts in the world. Why is that? It's our guests. Whether you're listening to subject matter experts or domestic violence survivors, you know you're hearing what you need to know. And that is the truth about dating and domestic violence. Why it happens, how it happens, when it happens, where it happens, and how victims become survivors. This podcast is a powerful way for you, your friends, and your family to stay informed and stay safe. My conversation with Sebastian Soul is pretty special. Sebastian is a dating coach who works internationally. He hosts two podcasts. One is the highly ranked Get Him, Keep Him podcast, and the other one is the Get Over Him podcast. They're obviously very different. Sebastian, you will hear, comes from a good place. He's a studied person. He is deep. He is insightful. 
and you will learn quickly that his advice is valuable for leading a peaceful and loving life. This is part one of two parts with Sebastian Soule on the When Dating Hurts podcast. So this will be kind of experimental. It's a conversation between me, Bill Mitchell, the host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and Sebastian, the host of the Get Over Him podcast. Sebastian is a certified coach. In fact, he's a dating coach and has been doing this for more than a decade. I know reading some of your background information, what got you going was you wanted to find out things about what makes men fall in love, how women should talk to men or or how women should attract the man of their dreams, those kind of things. So Sebastian, welcome. I'm on your podcast, you're on mine. So we're welcoming each other and saying thank you, I guess, to each other, but good to meet up with you finally. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want, I can share a little bit about my story, what got me actually into, let's say, the dating coaching sphere. Please, yes. For me, it actually started not coaching women, but coaching men, but first of all, coaching myself, because I was born with a congenital heart defect and I had several heart surgeries in my life as a, as a young child, or you can say baby, and as a teenager. And in my early 20s and also late teenage years, I had severe insecurities, like confidence issues, body dysmorphia, self-hate, like you name it. Very depressed, very anxious, never really able to talk to the opposite sex. And I was a very shy and let's say, yeah, shy kid, shy teenager. And I then embarked on this journey of, of yeah, basically fixing these issues of also working with a coach, of um, gaining more confidence, starting to love myself, really falling in love with myself. And it then started for me coaching men, how they can overcome their insecurities, how they can overcome their shyness when it comes to women. And then something interesting happened, or let's say a few interesting things happened. With the coaching that I did for men, every now and then, I had women who contacted me for coaching. And I was like, okay, I'm open-minded for it. Why not? It actually, that's a funny story. The whole thing actually started with a woman who was into women, like a lesbian woman who said to me like, hey, you know, I think that would also work pretty well for me. And I'm like, okay, why not? And then to go a little bit deeper into my story from a, from a, um, let's say, personal perspective. And I think this is also interesting because we're going to publish this interview on your podcast and my podcast. This will also give my listeners an even deeper understanding about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because of a very severe health issue, I was then guided on a spiritual path and on my own trauma healing. And once I healed my own trauma and I then embarked on this journey of healing, this journey of opening my heart, really feeling more love in my heart, which is something for us men, it's often very hard to do because we've been conditioned from a young age, boys don't cry, man up, be stoic and don't show emotions. And it was really interesting for me how this heart opening then shifted more into my desire to help women. Hmm. I still can't really put a finger on it why exactly it happened. Maybe it's my, my hypothesis, my theory that a lot of women are way more open and way more open-minded to opening their heart and dating from a heart-centered place. 
which I believe is also the reason for, because of a lot of conditioning for men. And again, women have different conditionings to deal with. For example, girls want to be seen, not heard. Like there are all kinds of conditionings going on in, in women. But specifically, I believe that women have it easier from a cultural conditioning point of view to open their heart, to be emotionally available and to share these emotions. I then started with the Get Him, Keep Him podcast where I helped single women or let's better say where my intention <laughs> was to help single women to improve their dating life, to find their dream partner, which I'm still doing. But then more and more women contacted me who had relationship issues, marriage issues, and also women who were either still trapped in a relationship that was abusive, like the term narcissist came up more and more and more, or women who already got out of that relationship and who wanted to have help when it comes to finding love again, being able to trust again, being able to date again, which then eventually led to me being motivated to start the Get Over Him podcast, where I specifically focus on helping women, both women who got out of relationships that were fulfilling, but also women who got out of relationships or marriages that were very destructive and very toxic and abusive, to rebuild themselves again, to heal again, to activate their heart again, to fall in love with themselves, to fall in love with life. And yeah, I can confidently say that only because of that health issue that I had back then, that I now healed, and because of my trauma healing journey, this actually led me to that journey of teaching and guiding and helping women, which is very interesting. I think in that detail, I never really talked about it on my podcast, so it's a perfect opportunity. That's brilliant. You know, so much of that, of course, I did not know. And it's interesting to me, you know, what I see in your story is somebody who kept such an open mind that when possibilities presented themselves to you, you may have been aimed down one path, which would be maybe coaching men. And then this other part keeps wanting in and it's like, okay. And you shifted over to that and uh, slid over, you know, without giving up anything, without giving up the first part, you've moved on to this other part, which is I would imagine now you do that more than you do anything, right? Exactly. That's the interesting part. It was like this kind of shift of like when I allowed myself to open my heart, not only, of course, did the way how I teach men change a lot. Yes. And also, of course, the way that I now focus on helping women, which I think without me healing my trauma and me opening my heart, I would never be able to connect on such an emotional level with women who are going through these things. So definitely it was some kind of, I mean, I'm very spiritual. I don't want to, let's say, scare anyone away here, neither from your audience or my audience. But I believe that I was guided to that. And that um, it's, it's a beautiful experience for me to nowadays see and to experience that with my coaching clients, that transformation. It's just, it's just beautiful because especially when women are in, a, in an abusive relationship or it's, we just, just get out of a relationship, out of a divorce, I believe in a principle which I would best describe as you cannot accept and surrender to a belief that is not equal to your emotional state. Oh, gee. And what I mean by that is that when, for example, a woman is trapped in an abusive relationship, and of course the same is also true for men, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's also the other way, but most of the time it's, <laughs> let's say, this way, and that's what we're going to focus on right now. And when you are trapped in such an abusive situation, or when you just got out of a relationship with somebody who basically, yeah, who destroyed your self-confidence, your self-esteem, then you are trapped in very negative emotions, most likely. Emotions of resentment, regret, anger, frustration, sadness, 
in these moments, I always want my coaching clients to know that I see a future for them that they cannot see in this moment because they cannot accept and surrender to a belief that is not equal to that emotional state. Mm. And the only belief in that emotional state would be, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I will never find a guy again, I'm not worthy of love, because that's the emotional, I can say the mix of emotions that they're feeling in this moment. And my, my biggest joy is to help women out of this, to help them to elevate their emotions, to see that new future. Because I experience it so often that a woman in the beginning even, yeah, even was still holding on to that ex-partner who abused her. And then once she got out of that emotional vicious cycle, yes. suddenly she was like, oh God, I don't ever want to date such a guy again. No, get him away from me. And it's really interesting to see that, that change. Not only not wanting to date someone like that, which makes a lot of sense, but maybe not wanting to date at all for fear that someone could present themselves, some guy could present himself as being the answer to all of her problems and her needs, and then maybe being trapped in the next relationship. And it's interesting. There's one woman that I interviewed, I guess about six months ago, and she was dating a guy who was an overt narcissist. So it was plain to see. She just kind of looked past it and got caught up in his power and control and just rolled along with it, stayed with it. So once that was behind her, that relationship was behind her, she met someone else who I believe was kind of a neighbor, somebody very close by, who she had known for a while and thought, you know, this guy's really pretty terrific. Maybe I ought to think about him. And when they would get together, she would talk about the first relationship with this second guy. Well, as it turns out, he was a covert narcissist. So part of his thing was to talk with her and to be with her and learn what her strengths and weaknesses were so that he could then take her over. Like the last guy, he just did it differently. So she was completely fooled by the second guy. And next thing you know, she's in a relationship with a guy who's trying to completely run her life. And it's an amazing story to listen to without going too deeply. So, and I like what you're saying too, that it becomes very hard for somebody to, even when they're physically away from that person who is toxic and is is not doing their life any good, to somehow drop most of that behind, even when the person's out of the picture, is nearly impossible for some people. They carry it with them. So that's something they have to deal with all the time. And usually their next partner, even if the next partner is the answer to, to their needs, they still will carry some of that with them. They may hear something that sounds like what the previous guy said, or they may pick up on something or he walks into the room too fast like the other guy used to when he abused her. So they have these triggers. They have this PTSD that they deal with. The fact that you you do that, you know, that you coach these people into really getting back to the person maybe they were in the very beginning, you know, somebody who really wasn't too damaged, kind of get them back in shape again. I think that is just a a wonderful thing that you do. So good for you. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate it. And to actually say something right now to to what you mentioned, which I think was very interesting, the story of the woman who basically went from one narcissist to the other narcissist. She did. And this is something where a lot of people disagree with me. But I, from my coaching experience and from my personal experience, I believe that what I'm going to say right now is truly the answer to that. I believe when from a spiritual perspective, and I, for example, I'm also a certified hypnotist. I do hypnosis with my coaching clients. I do, let's say, all kinds of different meditation exercises, practical exercises. 
and I've seen that with coaching clients that when you really raise your frequency, let's say you really fall in love with yourself and fall in love with your life and you go out of these emotions combined with knowledge, with, let's say, educating yourself more about um, this topic of narcissists. And this combination, I don't, I, I don't want to say makes you 100% immune, but pretty immune. Because then you see those red flags in the beginning and you love yourself so much that you, and it's hard for me to describe, but I, I had one coaching client who told me that I feel so in love. She said something along the lines of, I feel so in love with life that when a narcissist sees me, he knows I'm not a good target. Oh, how about that? I'd like that. Because she's, she's, no longer, she's no longer prey. Yes. Yeah, they know it's not going to work on this person. Exactly. And that's the beautiful thing. What I truly believe about shifting your emotional state and reaching these higher frequencies. And I'm always very careful with my coaching clients because like, I'm very spiritual. I do a lot of meditations. Um, I don't know if you, for example, heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. A lot of those kind of meditations have been to different retreats and my teachings are very much focused on really regulating emotions, changing emotional states. And a lot of my coaching clients in the beginning are like, yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of fun and nice, I guess, but okay, let's give it a shot. But then when they really experience it for themselves, they go like, oh my God, it makes all the difference. Oh, wonderful. I believe like if you only focus on knowledge, let's say, Let's say you stay in these negative emotions, but you focus on, you read every book about narcissism, watch every movie, every podcast, whatever. Then these triggers are still there. The triggers that you just described. If somebody, let's say, walks in the room the same way, boom, trigger is there because the emotional state didn't change. Yes. Then emotionally, without even being aware of it, the emotional energy that this person might send out into the field, if I can say that, is still the emotional energy of prey. Yes. For the predator, for the narcissist. But once they change the emotional state and they, they elevate these, these frequencies, then the narcissist automatically, instinctively goes like, oh my God, ooh, she seems confident, ooh, really in love with life. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good, if that's a good um, let's say, idea to, to see her as prey because she's no longer that. Support for When Dating Hurts comes from Liquid IV Sugar Free. What do I like most about Liquid IV? Maybe it's how they make everyday hydration easier than ever. One convenient stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Or maybe it's the new sugar-free flavors like white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. Or it could be liquid IV has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV, sugar-free, has no artificial sweeteners, and zero sugar. So you get a nice sweet taste without the calories or raised glucose levels from sugar. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is a non-GMO electrolyte drink mix that utilizes the science of cellular transport technology to deliver water and key nutrients into your body faster and more efficiently than water alone. That way, whether you're playing a sport, doing Zumba, or you're just making your way through another day at work or at home, you stay hydrated more efficiently. And here's a nice offer. Get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free or any variant at liquidiv.com and use this code when dating hurts at checkout. 
That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WhenDatingHurts at liquidiv.com. You make a lot of good points there. And it reminds me of someone I just interviewed really about a week ago who was saying that, that she felt like she projected somebody who was weak, somebody who was a bit desperate and she couldn't shake that feeling so that even if she went to catch up with a friend at a bar somewhere and have a couple of drinks and the friend was, you know, one of her girlfriends, and even like they had a, they had pool tables, they were shooting pool, and there were some guys there who came over, and she felt from the time she met this one guy that she was very attracted to him, but she also felt like she was vulnerable to whatever would happen next. This guy was pretty smooth, and he said all the right things, even if he was kidding with her and challenging her and even a little bit making fun of her the way she was shooting pool or something. One way or another, she just felt like she was being attractive to him in the wrong ways. Like you say, like prey, she became very easy. And like so many of these stories that I've collected on the podcast, on the When Dating Hurts podcast, as they go along, the beginnings are usually neutral to pretty positive. But eventually they start to take over once they have a good sense of what to do and when to do it. Definitely. And I think it's also important and very, very difficult sometimes to, to distinguish between, for example, if abuse is going on in a relationship and it's some kind of trauma bonding and both people act out of trauma. Yes. Or if it's really malicious in case of a narcissist, for example. Because I also had coaching clients where, where for example, one partner and the other, I mean, it's always some kind of match in this case. It's like the prey, the predator, or both are like the trauma energy where the relationship was terribly abusive but where I didn't have the feeling that either of them was a narcissist. Mm. It was just they both experienced crazy childhood trauma, the way she, she, she told me about it. And this, of course, then manifested also the way both of them um, learned early on what, let's say, quote-unquote, love is um, from their parents because they had a very dysfunctional relationship. So it was not really a personality disorder in this case. It was just more coming out of trauma energy. And that's why I would also recommend to, let's say, everyone who is in such a relationship and you have the feeling like, hey, maybe it's really I'm coming from my trauma energy. I mean, hey, when I think back to the relationship from my parents, for example, I mean, I'm using an example of a coaching client right now. I just want to make that clear. I have a wonderful relationship with my parents. <laughs> Not that they ever listen to that and go like, what are you saying here? <laughs> so I have a wonderful relationship with my parents. I'm really blessed with that. But I also have coaching clients who had a terrible relationship with their parents. And we often talk about, let's say, daddy issues when women, for example, have these kind of things. But there's also the equivalent on men when they, for example, have a terrible relationship with their mothers. That can also manifest in, let's say, trauma bonding in relationships. I mean, of course, I can confidently say now that I'm, I'm in a very fulfilling relationship and I met my girlfriend after my trauma healing, and I can confidently say that this relationship is healthier and better and more fulfilling and more loving than all the other relationships I had when I was still acting from that trauma energy. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, is also a huge part of it, of, of also asking yourself, okay, where am I acting from trauma energy? Where is he acting from trauma energy? And to then, and that's something that I also experienced sometimes with coaching clients, that when both partners really talked about it, and both weren't really aware of it before, but then they went back in time, were like, 
oh my God, now I remember what my parents did. Now I rem remember this experience. And he also said like, yeah, you know, I mean, my parents are divorced. It was a complete nightmare. Uh, everyone was toxic. That's when you, for example, as a couple can also work on both, let's say, both people improving themselves and getting out of this together, turning a toxic relationship into a healthy relationship. Of course, big disclaimer here. If it's really, a, let's say, a sociopath, psychopath or narcissist, that's a different story. But I just wanted to, to mention that because sometimes I have the feeling that nowadays, whenever somebody, I mean, some people take it to an extreme that whenever somebody disagrees with them, they immediately scream like, oh my God, he's a narcissist. Because that term gets thrown around left, right and center. It does, yes. So I think it's always important to also look at his past, look at your past and say like, okay, are we both acting from trauma energy? Are we both somehow contributing to that, to that, let's say, misery that we're experiencing in a relationship? And can we both get out of there? That's also, I think, an important aspect. I couldn't have put it better. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you were talking about the, the parental part of it, and I was just wondering about your opinion about this, but so often in the people that I interview, they had one or two parents who were very difficult at home. There could be narcissism displayed now that they're older they look back and they see that but they also see emotional abuse they see physical abuse from these people you know it could be one parent against the other doing that but also then it's spilling down to the kids in the house here's the question though why is it do you think that someone could have let's say a young woman has so many difficulties with her father and is afraid of her father wants to love her father but is basically afraid of them because what they see, you know, what they see in the house for years and yet seem to go out and find a guy and even get married to somebody who's just about a replica of dad. Here's what I believe. And I did some research or a lot of research about this. And one of the most interesting studies that I ever found, um, I don't remember the name right now, but I think a lot of research studies came to that conclusion that from the age from when we are born to about seven years old, our brain is in a brainwave state, and I hope I don't say anything wrong right now, but I think it's alpha brainwave state. It's the same brainwave state that, that I also want to get my coaching clients in when it comes to hypnosis, when it comes to reprogramming their subconscious mind into, let's say, into a more loving, life-affirming, empowering uh, mind. And what happens is that when we as children, when we observe our parents acting with each other, because we cannot distinguish fact from fiction, because we are in this brainwave state, we save on our hard drive, that's love. That's how love is supposed to be. Okay, makes sense. And then what often happens is that we are never aware that we're acting from that trauma energy. And as a result of that, we then look for the exact same partner again, who fulfills that definition of love, if we want or not because our subconscious mind is acting from that paradigm. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why I believe the best way to change our life is to change our paradigm by changing our emotional state, by letting go of that trauma. I mean, I, for example, I have a very amazing relationship with my mom. And my mom is a very nurturing, kind and loving woman. And I was always attracted to very nurturing women, mm -hmm. which is in my case, it's a big benefit. But I, for example, also know somebody without revealing any, let's say, private details yes. with a very terrible relationship with his mother. And in the same way, that's why I wanted to mention before, like the daddy issues and mommy issues, it's the same thing. It's just that daddy issues, everybody talks about it. 
But for men, it's the same thing. He's now in a relationship with a very controlling, extremely jealous, extremely, um, yeah, I mean, controlling jealous puts it the best way, woman. Yes. Because his subconscious mind is still trapped in the past of, okay, that's what a loving mother is supposed to be because that's how I learned it as a child. I see. Yeah, that, that really makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. I like that. Support for When Dating Hurts comes from Sun and Swell. We all love snacks, but I just discovered Sun and Swell's organic, real ingredient snacks. These are the answer for health-conscious people looking for delicious, wholesome snack experiences. Elevate your snacking with great flavor, healthy products, and get this part. Sun and Swell has a real commitment to our planet. Here's how Sun and Swell has redefined snacking. Sun and Swell is the nation's first online grocery store that is offering plastic-free packaging. No one else is doing this. You could even send used packaging back using their compostable send-back program. It's the best of both worlds. It's delicious, 100% plant-based, vegan products, 100% gluten-free, 100% real food, without added preservatives, and every product comes in earth-friendly, compostable packaging. What's more, Sun & Swell is a woman-owned small business. It's also a B corporation, which underscores their social and environmental performance. If you're looking for a more planet-friendly pantry, shop Sun and & Swell and get 20% off site-wide when you go to sunandswellfoods.com and use my code WHENDATINGHURTS, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off your entire order when you use WHENDATINGHURTS at sunandswellfoods.com. I guess one thing maybe for the benefit of your listeners, because my listeners know me pretty well, but the question could be, how did I get into this line of work, so to speak? I got in similar to you. I mean, you kind of got in the hard way because of physical issues and and how that then kind of colored your emotional look at the world. But in my case, mine came by way of my daughter who graduated from college, had a job lined up, a really good job, had been dating a guy for about five months. And so we met him at her graduation. My immediate reaction when I met him and shook his hand was very strange. I wouldn't want to tangle with this guy. I, you know, just, I could picture myself physically fighting with this guy, which is so strange. And I'm sorry in some ways I didn't act upon that in some way, you know, just looked into his past more and some things I would have found for sure. But 20 days after her graduation, he murdered her. She was trying to break up with him and, and he murdered her in her apartment. And that was that. And that was June 3rd, 2005. It's been a, been a while. When something like that happens in your life, it might be 18 and a half years maybe now for everybody listening in, but for someone like me, it's 18 and a half years of yesterdays. It'll always feel like it just happened, like I just got the call from detectives and I met with them and they broke the news to me. From my standpoint, when when you have something like that happen, in my case, you're just dealing with a lot of questions. You're dealing with how could something like this happen? How can someone get that mad that they kill somebody else? I mean, how could somebody get that mad at my daughter that they killed her? And I've never really gotten that answer about him specifically, but it did put me on a path even that first evening because I heard about it in the evening, but I thought about it later and I thought that somehow this would turn into some kind of an opportunity for me. I couldn't imagine what it would be, but some I felt it would be a responsibility and an opportunity Responsibility meaning that how 
I carried myself from that point on would be kind of important to other people and to me, meaning that I wasn't going to be made angry the rest of my life and I wasn't going to collapse. I wasn't going to go into a big depression. And I shared that with my wife and son. You know, it used to be four of us and now it's three. But the other thing was that the first year was really all about getting this guy into prison. That happened. He actually pled guilty to murder. So we didn't have to go through a court case, although it was aimed in that direction for the longest time. We thought for about seven or eight months that it would actually wind up in a courtroom. It did not. He pled guilty and it was accepted, you know, so, and he's still in right now. He received 30 years of which he was mandated to do 15. And there have been three parole reviews thus far. In each case, he has failed to gain his freedom back, which he course, should never have. And anyhow, over the course of that time, I've given somewhere around, I kind of lost track. I used to keep it, keep track on a piece of paper, but I've given somewhere around 200 speeches, interviews, written articles about the subject of what happened, but also why things like this happened. You know, I had to do my own research and talk with a lot of people to try to understand why this happened. And then eventually in 2020, wrote a book about it and then did the ebook version, and then did the audio book, which I narrated myself. And then a year later, I put out this podcast, the When Dating Hurts podcast, which I'm feeling very good about. Just about, about a month ago, past the half million downloads or plays figure, which I never ever imagined that would happen. You know, when I had a thousand plays, I was delighted. You know, I thought, boy, a thousand, that's quite a lot. And then it just passed the half million, so I can't even fathom what that's all about. But, and to me, it's not an ego trip at all. To me, it's just the more who listen to conversations like you and I are having or conversations I have with domestic violence counselors or detectives. Lately, I've been doing a lot of interviews with survivors and victims. You know, all things considered, I just, I feel good because a lot of people are getting information about what this is all about, how to detect it, the red flags, all these things that you and I deal with all the time when we talk with people or we think about all the time too. The more that people are aware of it, then the better the chances of of people not getting too deeply into these relationships and also finding ways that they can actually gain their freedom back and get out of these relationships safely. It's interesting that that you and I would meet up, you know, you kind of found me somehow and I'm glad you did. And uh, so anyway, back to the chat part of this. I actually like thought for a very long time, if I can ask you that question on the, on the podcast, because I knew I would get emotional about it. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I mean, I know your, I know your story, but I, I didn't want to say like really yes. ask that directly. So I didn't know like how comfortable you were. Uh, I've talked about it right from the first night. Yeah. It's, it's not to say I haven't, had my hard cries, especially in the very beginning. It was impossible to wake up in the morning without having a big cry, as my wife and I did, both, and my son. Because it's the only thing you think about, and it gets you all day long. So here we are years and years later. I think that it's something that years ago I learned to live with. And if anything, I've used it as emotional energy. Because as you can imagine, to sit and write a book takes a lot of time. You have to push a lot of words to get a book. And then I self-published. I did that because I didn't want to wait on agents and publishers. And I didn't really want a bunch of corrections and 
somebody telling me to amp up the emotional content here and there or dump a uh, chapter I really liked or something. I really wanted to decide for myself what stayed in. And, and then the podcast has just been a way to keep it going, you know, because once the book's out, it's out. And, and once the uh, audio book was recorded and edited, it's out. You know, these things were kind of like all I could do and took a lot of hours. But once they're out, they're gone. You know, then they kind of run themselves. So the podcast is kind of a living document, kind of. So, yeah, for me, like, especially if reaching out to you, for me, it was such a like touching and also interesting story. Yes. That you basically used that then to educate, let's say, others and to, to go into that is, is incredibly valuable. There are two things that I would love to add to that, which is something that I always tell my coaching clients. It's so interesting when you said, like, when you, when you shook the hand of that guy, something was off. Like something was weird. It's true. And I had a lot of coaching clients who told me, especially after deep conversations, in the beginning they were like, no, nah, there weren't any signs. No, 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 there were not any signs. I didn't see it coming. But then there were those small things. Like one thing that came up, for example, all the time was with so many of my coaching clients was, yeah, you know, with me, he was the most loving person ever. But then... When, for example, the waitress brought the wrong dish, he snapped. And I thought, yes, to, I've heard that type of thing. And I thought to myself, and, and she always, like, I had so many coaching clients who then said to me, yeah, but I thought he would never do that with me. And I was like, where does that thought come from? It's like, if he does it with somebody else, he can do it with you. And this is something that I've heard over and over and over again, especially this story, like some... Yeah. Some let's say some waiter does something wrong or he has to wait somewhere in in a line, in a queue, whatever it might be, those small things, like look out for that. This is something that I tell my coaching clients all the time. Look out for these little things. How does he react in that moment? Or how is he in traffic? If it's just like in traffic somewhere, somebody cutting him off, does he go crazy ballistic? Or is it like in a very, very calm way, like, oh such an idiot, and then continue? Those are small signs. Yeah, I'm and glad you pointed that out. That is so true because your day will come with that person. There's no doubt your day will come. If you see that person treat somebody, you know, some, some practically a stranger that way, you know, at the airport or as you say, in a restaurant, the waiter brings the wrong plate, how that person handles it. That's a glimpse into what that person's all about and how they handle themselves and, and your day will come. That's actually a really good sentence. I never formulated like this, but yeah, your day will come. That's, that's, that's very true. This concludes part one with Sebastian Soul. Be looking for part two on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. That's billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com.